0: everyone. Good morning, Blake. (laughs) So glad you're here. I hope you like the new setup of our living room. We'll try this out today. So we have a little more space for kids running in and out. Feel free whenever they need to. And feel free to join us in worship with this song today.
1: the highest king would welcome me i was lost but he brought While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for.
0: Let's sing that one more time. Who the
1: sun says.
0: thank you that we can come into this house and and it is your house and that we are at home. God, we thank you that that is not just a building but that we as a family are your house and that we are home here. Thank you that you give us a completely new identity. An identity in you, Jesus Christ. As we go through today's worship and as we read through the Bible passage, we see that Jesus talks a lot about our identity. He's saying, hey, who is my family? When his mother and his brothers come and they knock on the door and they say, hey, Jesus, come out. Your family's here. He's saying, who is my family? Everyone who does the will of God is my mother, my brother, and my sister. And this is the new identity that we have. don't know about you, I don't know how your week was, our week was a little rough, and um, today I just need a reminder of who who I am in Christ, and um, maybe you need a reminder too. So that's why we're singing these songs, we're singing, just just acknowledging and, and declaring who we are in Christ, um, and then we're going to shift our focus onto who God says that He is, and that will give us a new identity too. So as we move into the next two songs um it's both are songs that we haven't sung here before i invite you to to not necessarily sing along with this next one you can if you want to but definitely make sure to open your heart and and see if god wants to talk to you directly because i believe he will and then the song after that is going to be a new song and i as always invite you to just come in whenever you feel comfortable
2: The sum of every high and every low. Remind me once again to say who I am because I need to know. You say I. we
1: on the God of Jacob whose love endures through generation I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses the one who To do the same thing
2: for. Me.
1: Oh God, my God. I Your faithfulness I'm calling on the God of Mary Whose favor rests upon the lowly I know with you all things are possible calling on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous I may not fight Goliath but I've got my own giants oh God my God I need you oh God my God I Rock my rock a page say God, my God. God, you set us free. You freed the captives then. You're freeing hearts right now. You are the same God. You are the same God. You touched the land. Then I feel your touch right now. You are the same God. I'm calling on the Holy Spirit. mighty river come and fill me
0: Invite you to this place. We invite you into our hearts, God. God, who the sun sets free, He's free indeed, and we thank you that you're setting our hearts free. We're thanking you that you're setting us free from anxieties. We're thanking you that you're setting us free from distraction from you. God, we ask you to take to strip all distraction away so that that all that is left can be a, a picture of beauty.
2: beautiful name it is. Nothing compares
1: to this. What a beautiful name.
3: The next part talks about how Jesus conquered death, but may we not take lightly what he did in the grave, the battle that he had to wage. Uh, I, I like to remind myself that he didn't just die and immediately resurrect, he had to go to battle for us. We are nothing, our identity that we have in Christ has nothing to do with our accomplishments. And everything to do with he with what he did with his conquering of death with his defeat of our sin so i mean may we never take for granted how he waged battle to forgive us to wage battles so that we could be redeemed may we celebrate every week every sunday may we celebrate his resurrection and the victory he had over death so that we wouldn't have to die because he went and he waged that battle for us and just get to reap the beautiful benefits. What a blessing. What a privilege.
0: You feel encouraged. Hope you feel ready for the word. God, thank you for Blake who's coming up to share your word. Let it be your word. And let us be receptive to hear it. In your name we pray, God. Amen.
4: <coughs> All right. We're gonna be in Mark 3. If you want to get to Mark 3. Mark 3, verse 13. As you get settled, I'll go ahead and start reading the passage for us and then pray through together. <clears throat> and it went up on the mountain and called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him, and he appointed twelve whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him and might send, that he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. He appointed the 12, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Boanerges, that is, the sons of thunder, Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew, and Matthew and Thomas, and James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. (laughs) Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went outside out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he called to them and said to them in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house... Will not be able to stand, and if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, but whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blas- and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes the against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying, he has an unclean spirit. And his mother mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for its challenge to our hearts and its call to us. And thank you for this uh, morning to get to worship you for who you are and to um, to declare your truth over our hearts this morning. I thank you for, the, for this passage you've given us and and pray that you would just challenge us to be with you and to be sent by you and follow you all of our days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm going to talk about football because I like to talk about about football. So, um, you know, football is great, right? I mean, rigged, but it's good. Um, So, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Soccer or football? Okay, good. good. College is especially, you know, near and dear my college football. um, And the reason that is, like, Up until recently, okay, there's actually some monetary benefit that now comes to college kids, but before that happened, and it's still, you know, whatever, big discussion there. um, A kid had to like see what a coach was doing and and see the kind of offense or defense that coach was running to say, hey, I want to be a part of that type of offense. I think my skill set fits that, you know, that, you know, style of play or whatever it is. And so they kind of choose the coach they want to follow based on Okay, is this going to make sense for the chemistry that I have and what I need to do? And then looking to that person, that person's schemes, that person's coaching style, that person's ideas about how the game should be played and saying, I want to go study under them. I want to be under their uh, system and I want to grow under their system because I think it's going to benefit me the most. Uh, we see this all throughout the world. Okay, j- there's a mentorship piece that happens in college football that people are looking for a certain place under which to be grown up. Uh, The same happens in business, you might look for a mentor in business, you might say, you know, I want to work for this type of company, and I want to work for this type of boss, or whatever it may be, because you see something in them that you want to be like. What Jesus is talking to us about today is this very thing, uh, about being a disciple, uh, what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. Uh, Throughout Mark, he is just displaying to us, what do those words mean that so many have said already, follow me right? What does follow me mean to Jesus? And so today we actually see the point in Mark where he says he's called the 12 disciples, okay? So he's, he's assembled the 12. The, the all-star team is here. They're going to form into the whatever, what's that, uh, that, that uh, oh, what's that uh, battle robot thing I'm thinking of? There are like three different robots that, four or five different, oh, Power Rangers, yeah, yeah, Power Rangers, right? <laughs> they assemble into one Power Ranger. They all come together, this thing. Okay, um, they're going to assemble, right? It's, it's all there. Um, so, so he assembles them, and we get to see what he's going to tell them that they are capable of doing and what they're called to do. We see in the calling of the disciples that he, you should see some themes here that you might recognize from maybe the time uh, of fulfillment, right? A, a prior time, a time in history that was before Jesus. Okay, you might pick up on some things that are happening here. And he went up on the mountain. Jesus went up on the mountain. Anybody hear of any mountains in the Bible ever? Any significant things happen on a mountain? You know, Sinai, the cross, all these things. Mountains, significant. Mark is telling us, listen, he went up on a mountain. Something new is happening here. And he called to him those whom he desired, and they came to him. And he appointed twelve whom he named apostles so that they might be with him, and he might send them out to preach and have authority to cast out demons. What we see in these quick few verses is the formation of a new community. Uh, Just as Moses went up Mount Sinai and came down with the law that was the beginning of Israel, so too now Jesus is saying, it is time for my community to be formed, and I'm going to tell you who it is that is inside and who it is that is outside this kingdom. He's forming this new community. He's called these 12 disciples, and it says he actually made them 12. The word is the same word that God uses at creation when he made 12, okay, when he made the earth. In the Greek lexicon, it's the same word. He made 12. Just like God created the earth, Jesus created 12. He set apart 12 for a purpose. He called those whom he desired. He called them to himself, which is important. He didn't call them to the Torah. He didn't call them to a rabbinical tradition. He called them to him. And important, when he called them, they came to him. Uh, Jesus made 12 and this new community has a character. He made 12, uh, 12 obviously a significant number, right? Anybody know what 12 might stand for? Any 12s ever heard? 12 tribes, yeah, 12 tribes, right, exactly. In Revelation, we talk about the 12 disciples judging, the 12 apostles judging the 12 tribes of Israel, standing on thrones with them. Like, this number is significant. He made 12 of them, just like creation was made by him. And these three things, well, two main things, and two kind of sub-things of the second thing, follow the outline here. Uh, first is this. If you're going to be a disciple, you're to be with him. He appointed the twelve, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. The first thing they do is just be with him. No activity there. Just be in the presence of Jesus. The first major activity of the disciples is to be with him. Second is a twofold authority they're given. And the first thing is to preach. I know you've heard me ask this question about a million times, but what do you think they might be preaching? Any guesses what they might be preaching? No? Someone's got it. I know you've got it. There's three things, three things that Mark's wanting us to remember about the good news of Jesus that conquers victoriously. I hear someone. What? Oh, your time is Oh, yeah, yeah. From the back, a little louder in the back. What was that? Yeah, we know you can sing, okay? We know you can sing. Okay, all right, good. She got all three, actually, all right. The time has been fulfilled, right? The time of Mount Sinai, the time of the 12 tribes, the time of the prophets, it has been fulfilled. The time is over. What those things were pointing to is done, and it is here. What is here? The kingdom of God is here. It is present. And so what do you do in response to the holy, powerful, majestic kingdom of God? Repent and believe. There's nothing you can do. Just like uh, Lisa was sharing in the song, there's nothing we can bring before this kingdom and say, see, I've got these qualifications. Like, I'm a really good quarterback, and I think I feel real well in your system. No. (laughs) What do you do before the kingdom of God? You repent and believe. Okay, for those college, okay, I'm talking to Jason probably. Right? Like, it's like you're the only one that's going to know this. I love you, man. So glad you're here. (laughs) All my analogies are for Jason. Uh, You know, if a kid gets picked up by Alabama, right, you just, what are you going to do? You're just going to listen to Nick Saban, right? You're just going to repent and believe. And as much as I hate, hate, hate to say that, it's dirty. I can't even. Repent and believe, right? This guy's won so many championships. Who am I going to trust? Myself? I don't think so. The same here. When you come against the kingdom of God, this holy, righteous kingdom of God, you repent and believe. This is the message they're preaching. The time has been fulfilled. The kingdom is here. Repent and believe. So they're sent out to preach. These 12 uh, are sent out to preach. And second, they're sent out with authority in the spiritual realm. Just as Jesus has been casting out demons and healing diseases, they also are sent out to be able to cast out and have authority over the demonic oppression. So we see this new community formed, and again it says in verse uh, 16, he appointed the 12, or he made the 12. And he gives us the names there, and uh, we were talking on uh, a Thursday, this was kind of fun, it just, that, just to point out that um, Jesus gives a lot of these people new names, you know, Simon the Rock, you know. Uh, John and James, the sons of thunder, which isn't really necessarily a good thing sometimes sometimes good, I think sometimes bad, right um, Simon the zealot you know these these names are given to them and uh and then finally, in contrast to that, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. interesting that the twelve he made include Judas, so there's a dynamic here of the followers that is going on that 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 has to be. Judas is seeing all these things and he, too, in the midst of learning what Jesus is calling him to, has a choice and a, a thing he has to respond to. It's not just about being called one time. It's about living that calling out for the rest of your life. Cool. So so Jesus calls this new community and he and he shows the community, say, hey, okay, this is the 12 disciples and I've called them to be sent out to preach and to be with me. I'm going to show them more about who I am. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this. Uh, we finally get to talk about sandwiches. Everyone remember talking about sandwiches? All the time. Sandwiches all the time. Sandwiches are the best, right? Everyday sandwich. Although recently, I've been doing open face sandwich, which is actually kind of nice too. You know, Save on the carbs. Actually get some. Anyway, um, if, you, if you don't do open face, you should try it sometime. It's good. Um, But not in Mark. In Mark, we have traditional sandwiches, bread, meat, bread, bread, meat, bread. Okay, Um, And so this is the first of like nine or so times where Mark walks us through a sandwich of topics. And they're kind of like two stories that happen in Jesus life uh, that have sort of similar points and kind of build on each other. So there's actually two kind of separate things being said. Uh, at the same time by these two stories. And and how these sandwiches usually work is that there's a narrative that is started, okay? The narrative starts, and then the narrative is interrupted with the teaching of Jesus. And then the narrative is continued and completed, okay? So we're going to start with a narrative of some people are coming to find Jesus. Why are they coming to find Jesus? Verse 20 and 21. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so much so that they could not even eat. The moms on Thursday pointed this out. Doesn't that feel like we feel so many times? The kids are crowding around me so much. I can't even eat. What's going on? Um, so Jesus understands what it is to be a mom, right? Like all these kids want so many things. Um, so they're crowding around Jesus, and Jesus and his disciples cannot even eat. That's how much they're up in his business, okay? How disturbing would that be? He goes home, and that's where the crowds are doing to him. They're an inhibitor to him. Um, and when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. And so family, the word family in this, in this instance could be his family specifically or the, those that were following around him uh, has that wi- wider range of meaning. But either way, those who are close to him are looking at his message and saying, uh, you're going off the rails. This is a little bit too much for us is kind of crazy. I mean, literally, he is out of his mind. The the closer rendering might be, he is going berserk is like the level of emphasis here. So those that are close to his circle, but maybe not in the inner circle, are looking at this message going, this is insane. What are you saying? You're saying you can cast out demons. You're saying you're equal with God. You're saying the bridegroom you are the bridegroom that is to come. You're saying these things about yourself, and it's off the rails. And so they come, and they try to seize him and take him out from this group of people to control what he's saying. He's saying, listen, if you're this person that's chosen, you've gone a wrong way. family or his followers think he's gone so far, and they try to control Jesus, to put Jesus under their authority. Because so that's the first piece of bread. The meat in the middle of this is verses 22 to 30. And that's the interaction that's happening inside the house, and, in which the scribes come down from Jerusalem and are saying of Jesus this. He is possessed By Beelzebul, and by the prince of demons, he cast out demons. The scribes are claiming his message isn't off the rails. He's actually under the control of the prince of demons. That's their assertion. To which Jesus responds, verses 23 to 26, with a number of parables. And he called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan... Cast out Satan. If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. He says this, this assertion that, that I am possessed by Beelzebul and am casting out the sons of Beelzebul is absurd. Satan can't cast out Satan. He'd be dividing himself. If division takes root in a family or organization or nation, it will fall. I think just as a side, like, you know, definitely disagreement can happen in all sorts of organizations. That can happen all the time. But there's a difference between when we're having disagreement about something or operations or, like, a way we're seeing issues or whatever. There's a difference between disagreement and a root of division, right? Where you're saying, I'm no longer working for you to work this out, I'm actually just working against you. I've divided myself against you. And if we are divided against ourselves that way, then it will fall. And so Jesus says, if Satan is divided against himself, his nation's going to fall. That's what's going to happen. If we're not for each other in this, then how can we move forward with the mission, right? Is the, is the absurdity of their claim. He says, I'm not casting out demons possessed by demons, right? That doesn't even work. And then Jesus makes this claim, verse 27. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. What is Jesus telling us here? If you're going to look at the evidence of what I've done so far in the healing of the leper and the casting out of demons and the healing of Simon's mom and in all of these things, if you're going to look at the evidence of what's going on here, then what has happened is that Jesus has bound the strong man. And now Jesus is plundering the strong man's goods. That's what's happening here. Jesus says, uh, far from being Satan, casting out Satan, actually I've bound Satan and the kingdom is here, and I'm plundering all his goods. All the anxious thoughts, all the oppression, all the disease is bowing to my knee now instead of the knee of the evil one. Jesus is plundering the goods of the strong man. He takes it a step further because the assertion is pretty heavy, right? I mean, basically what they're saying is, that you are under the control of Satan, Jesus, and so that's a pretty heavy claim. And so Jesus pivots to say this, truly I say to you, and it's a warning to them and to all those who are hearing, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemies they utter, all of them, all things can be forgiven man, all of them. There's nothing that can't be forgiven man. There's not a thing, not a sin. There's no piece of your past that can't be forgiven in the name of Jesus. There's not one little piece of it. Not a thing. Okay? As dirty as you might feel like you are, you're not too dirty for Jesus. Okay? And the, the lie that the enemy wants to tell you is that you are too dirty, and Jesus is saying there's only one thing that you can do to separate yourself from Christ. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Jesus says, if you set yourself up against the Son of God who is going to die for your sins, then you cannot receive forgiveness of sins. This is the only thing that can separate you from God is rejecting Jesus. One thing, nothing else you've ever done can separate you from the love of Christ. But if you reject Christ, that alone is the eternal sin. And Jesus powerfully says, It's the Holy Spirit that you're blaspheming. See, the Holy Spirit is moving about our hearts all the time, both believer and unbeliever, drawing men to himself, convicting them of sin and saying, there's a better way, and it's not in your way, it's in the way of the Father who sent the Son to die on your behalf. And when you reject that and try and stand in your own way, you reject Jesus and what he's done for you. So Jesus says, in effect, woe to you scribes who would claim that I'm being controlled by Satan. Because if you reject the kingdom that I am preaching, then you're rejecting what God is doing. You're rejecting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is calling you to listen to this word of the kingdom that it is here and that it is now and that you must repent and believe. It's the role of the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and call us to follow unto Jesus. And if we reject that, they would reject the forgiveness of the blood of Jesus. Just as he called his disciples and said, I'm calling you 12, okay? I want you to come here to this mountain. Did they stay? No, they came. They have to come. So that's the meat here. The authority of Jesus is being challenged by the scribes. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Actually, I have all authority I've plundered the strong man's house, okay? That's what's happening is that I've plundered this. And if you reject this, then you're rejecting me. That's the meat. The, The second piece of bread, back to the narrative, verses 31 to 35. And his mother and his brothers came. And standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside. They're seeking you. And he answered them, who are my mother? And my brothers, and looking about at those who sat around him, he said, "Here are my mother and my brothers. for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. His very family is, is seeking to control him and what is going on with him, and we should be challenged just like the the people the Pharisees were challenged about their Belief that because they were children of Abraham, that they will be saved. Jesus says, no, 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 no. God can raise up children from these rocks to be children of Abraham. It is not about your heritage. You don't get born into the kingdom by blood. You get born into the kingdom by faith in Jesus. Repent and believe. Says, my, my mother and brother, uh, biological, do not have authority over me. They can't seek me in that way. They can't claim their heritage over me. There's no disrespect there. Jesus has submitted himself to his dad and his mom, earthly, uh, throughout his growing up. But now when he's starting his ministry, he's not going to cave to their pressure to come away from the ministry that he is doing. He says, even my heritage cannot come against this authority. My authority is over all. His family seeks to take authority over him based on their relationship, but you don't get access to Jesus by heritage. Just because your mama was a Christian, your mama's mom was a Christian, your dad's mom, mom's dad was a Christian, whatever, like, and he was a pastor, and then he was a missionary to India. So, like, none of that matters. Jesus is calling you. Don't base your claim on Jesus, on your heritage. So what do we do with a passage like this? Mark is just going to keep just railing us with this same message, repent and believe. But what do we go with? What do we walk away with? First, it's this. If you remember anything, I hope you remember this. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. There's nothing, right? Jesus said, all sins will be forgiven the children of man. All of them. There isn't one sin that can't be forgiven the children of man. What does that mean for us? It's, it's exact what Romans 8, 38 to 39 says. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from his love. And if you accept that love, then you really secure, right? But nothing is going to separate you from that. There's no sin that you do that can't keep you from him. Except for one, rejecting him. And in spite, you know, in spite of the fact, like Judas is among the disciples, right? Jesus died for Judas. He died for Judas just as much as any of the other 12. He died for all mankind, okay? His death was for everybody. Everybody. And he calls you to respond to him and have faith in him, trust him, knowing that his love never fails and you're never separated from him, from him. His love never is not separated from us by anything. The only thing separating me from what God wants for me is me. God wants something for us each. He wants something for each of us. Every single day, he desires us to go out and do something. Just like the call to the disciples was, be with me, and then go out and be sent by me. Every single day, that calling is on our lives. If we're going to follow me, Christians, we're going to follow Jesus, that means first I've got to be with Jesus and then be sent by Jesus. So the only thing stopping me from doing what Jesus wants me to do is me. If I don't be with Jesus first, then I'm going to do whatever the heck I want, right? But if I'm with Jesus, he's going to say, okay, this is what I want you to do today. Every day we must repent and believe in the things that God has called us to do in this kingdom. Just as much as God's kingdom was present at this time of Mark, it is present now. We're in a time of the kingdom, and the kingdom is advancing He is present in your heart through the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus. And so what do we want to do, right? Be with Jesus and then be sent by him. I've told this story a a million times to all the guys, I think, uh, at various times. But I listened to this podcast about discipleship a long time ago. And they were doing an interview with this uh, revivalist preacher who had some sons. And and the sons would always come to their dad and be like, Dad, I want to know, like, I need some wisdom from you trying to make a decision about, like, what I should do with XYZ, whatever, business relationship, whatever it is, and he says, no, 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 I can't tell you anything unless you've gone out to the woods with your Bible and been with Jesus. All the wisdom and knowledge I have, I could give to you all that, but unless Jesus is working on you, then all that matters. So If I give you some wisdom from my my age, that's fine, but, like, if Jesus hadn't told you to do it yet, then what are we doing? So before they'd do anything or, or move and do anything, you'd say, go get your Bible and get to the woods. And once you've done that, you know, still need some information, he might tell you to go back and do it again. Um, the point is, like, don't draw on someone else's experience with Jesus. It, I mean, it's good to learn from each other. It's good to be, find discipleship in that and imitate those that are following But God wants to talk to you at some point, and what all of us will tell you if you're following Jesus is that how you know what Jesus wants you to do is to be with him. There's all kinds of worldly wisdom we could give about all sorts of topics, but unless you've been with Jesus, all that's just a moot point. Be with Jesus. We see this play out in, uh, in, in Paul's life as he's teaching and encouraging people to follow Jesus. Um, there's a couple of passages where it seems very bold for him to say something like this, but just listen to it. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 to 17. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. And again, 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one to 11, one. So whenever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to, glorify to the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage but that of many, that, uh, that they may be saved, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We need to pe- be a people that follows people who follow Jesus. That's the point. The reason Paul can say be imitator of me is that he knew in his heart that he was following Jesus and that his source was nothing in this world, but it was Jesus. And so we have to recognize this is happening all the time. There's a a square. So you want to hit that square thing. This is a shape. Boom. This is a shape. I like shapes. Uh, this shape is just a square that demonstrates a very important principle to us. You're following someone, and someone is following you, all the time, every time, all the time. Okay. And th- I mean, this is just this is uh, here's some worldly wisdom. But let's apply it to Christ. Okay. I do, you know, if you're going to follow someone, you watch them do, okay? And then you do with with some help. And then, uh, sorry, I do and you help, and you do and I help, and then you do and I watch, right? This thing happens all the time, whether you're a teacher, right? uh, Whether you're a basketball player, whether you're a coach, whether you're an accountant, all these things. This is what's happening all the time in the cycle of life. You're learning from somebody else all the time. We may not realize that, but that's also true when it comes to being followers of Jesus. And the follower of Jesus that you want to follow is the follower that follows Jesus. Okay, that was kind of crazy. But why Paul can say, be imitator of me, is because he is following Jesus. He knows he can say that because his source is Jesus. He has been with Jesus. And he says, listen, if you want to know, just follow my pattern. And my pattern is to be before Christ. When I'm in jail, when I'm on a boat, when I'm traveling, when I'm in the synagogue, when I'm in the marketplace, it is to be with Jesus. And so, as we're discipling one another, recognizing that you're following someone, and you're following someone, and you're leading someone, and you're leading someone, this is all happening all the time. You have to recognize that someone is following you all the time. Parents know this. The kids are watching. And sometimes the kids say stuff, and you're like, where did they get that from? I have no idea where they would have got that from. That's very strange that they said those words, came out of their mouth. I don't know why they ever said things like that. Like Claire's been reminding me, the reason that the kids in the house, my house, my kids, are crazy is because somebody in the house is crazy. Claire's been calling me crazy lately. You know, someone's following me. Someone is following me, and someone is following you. And so recognize that. And be what Jesus calls you to be at the very beginning of the passage, right? He calls his disciples to himself, and he gives them two things to do. First, be with me. He says, be with me. Be with Jesus. You can look at your screen time, you know, on your phone. Get a calculation of how much time you spent on that phone and what you spent that time on. You can do that. All y'all can do that. Y'all have smartphones. So look up your phone and just see how much time I've been with Candy Crush or basketball game or whatever, whatever. And how much time have I been with Jesus? Is it equal? Is it less? You know? Those things aren't bad. But like, what are we prioritizing? Have I been with Jesus? We have to be with Jesus if we're going to be his followers. And what's going to happen if you're with Jesus? He's going to send you. He's going to send you to do something. And it's going to include preaching, uh, speaking the gospel, right? Um, Saying, you know, the time of the is here. The kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe, my soul. So I challenge you this morning, Uh, to know this, that that Christ is authority over all authorities. And if you want to know what you need to do this day and the next day and the next day, just go to the source. He's the author of all life. He's the creator of heaven and earth. And then he came and created a a following of people that followed like he followed, that went like he went, preaching this gospel of the kingdom, the good news that the strong man has been bound, okay? Okay. There is no anxious thought. There is no fear. There is no uh, circumstance that stands in your way that God cannot conquer or will not conquer on your behalf. We're all struggling with all sorts of things. We all have questions about what is ahead of us, what decisions we should make, how we should go about it. Is it going to be easy? No, it's not. There's a strong man. There really is, like, strong things happening, oppression happening, circumstances happening, health happening. All these things are happening. But Christ is with you. He's with you. He's going to walk this through with you. He created this world, and he died within it for you. And so go to him. He wants to talk to you. He wants you to follow him. And He wants to send you out to do things just like he did, to proclaim the kingdom is here, You might be walking through something, you need to know this, right? You might be walking through something. Don't just think that you're walking through something for no purpose. Everything you're walking through is something maybe for you to see Jesus conquer, but also for someone else to know later that it can be conquered. I guarantee there's stuff I've been through that I've shared with many of you. It's like the reason God led me through that is that I can say to you confidently that God conquers every anxious thought, okay? He is the conqueror of all oppression and lies. He is. I don't know it just because I read it in a book in some ivory tower. I know it in my heart that the Lord is authority over all authorities. Okay? And so be with him and know him. His love cannot be separated by anything in this earth. He loves you so much. He's conquered death in the grave for you. He went to battle for you. It is good news that he has conquered The grave, right? Good news is the word for there is good news from the battlefield, okay? There is a battle. There's good news. It's over. Jesus has conquered. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its challenge to our hearts. Um, God, we know that the week ahead has challenges of its own, question marks that are all over the place in every area of our lives. And we just, we don't know what to do. And sometimes we get paralyzed by that because we just want to make sure we do the right thing and not make a mistake here or there. Um, and, And we start calculating how we should run each and every day so we don't make a mistake. God, help us to walk in the simplicity of your call to us. Come to me. Be with me. Meditate on what Christ has done for you. Meditate on the authority that Christ has over your life. That all things, through prayer and petition, uh, all these anxious thoughts will be gone, and that the peace which transcends all understanding can guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. All things. Paul wrote it from prison. He knows that the peace of Christ can reign in prison. And so let us be as reflective as him, let us be imitators of Paul, that in every circumstance we would go before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and call out to him and say, Lord, how do you want me to run today? Which project first? Not only does he have authority over our time and, and our, our talents, our projects and things we got to do, he's got authority In the spiritual realm. And and so when you go before him, pray. Uh, Pray for those around you. You're not limited by geography in your prayers, okay? Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ who are fighting this battle too. Pray that their hope would be found, not in themselves, but in Christ. God, we thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. We accept it. We want to walk in your kingdom. We want to be with you, and we want to be sent by you to wherever you would have us go. Help us steady our hearts on you and wait for you to move. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <coughs> We're going to transition to a time of prayer. We're praying for a couple things today, just like usual. Uh, we are praying for a country as well as a church, and today, and uh, for a little bit, I'm going to be praying through the Operation World Prayer of the Day country. Um, I like this one because uh, it doesn't just focus on persecuted countries, it actually focuses on every country, so there's actually a book called Operation World, and it's got a page uh, devoted to every single country on this entire map, Okay. And so today we're praying for Kuwait with uh, Operation World, um, and Kuwait is, look at this, okay. uh